16, if you will. We'll get started here this morning, Romans 16. Um, we're down in the, the concluding comments here by Paul in verse 25, 26, and 27. A, a Really a, a passage that we hit a, quite a bit and go through, but uh, in the study with the book of Romans in the context, it's really fascinating how we're doing that. So before we get into the verses here, we're going to, next Sunday, I will not be here. I'll be in Chicago for the Grace School of the Bible, the men's meeting. In this first hour, I will pre-record the next lesson, okay? So we'll show that on the overheads. That'll be available for the YouTubers and all that good stuff. So, And then the second hour, Keith will have that, and we'll have church like normal, okay? All right, Romans 16 and verse 25. Romans 16 and verse 25. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest, and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith, to God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. As we conclude the book of Romans, that foundational book, we've got the four foundational pillars established, set in. They're formed and so forth. Paul is now releasing the Romans, the believers at Rome, to the edification process. By extension, what's he doing with us? The same thing, releasing us now to the edification process, while because there's more to learn. Romans is critical information to have for the proper foundation, for the proper, you know, foundation to now let's build an edifice on. Let's go in and build the structure in the realm of our inner man. Here's the critical doctrines that you need to have. You need to have my gospel. That's what the book of Romans is all about. Now we're going to build preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret but now is made manifest. That is never found in the book of Romans. There's nothing in the book of Romans about that. That's going to come actually in the, in the, in the advanced doctrinal book of Ephesians. And we'll look at that in a couple weeks. <laughs> okay? I, I told myself, don't go too slow through these verses, but don't run through them. Because again... These verses we talk about quite a bit and make reference to, but in the context of Romans, what he's doing here is he, it's, he, we have this proper foundation, okay? Uh, if you go back to chapter 1, verse 11, chapter 1, verse 11, in the introductory to all, the, all of the epistles, um, uh, the 13 of Romans, uh, of Paul, and then the Hebrew epistles, the identity of the writer is usually is given, and then the purpose and what's going to be covered in the book is given. Verse 11, here's Paul's purpose, For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end ye may be established. And I say it that way on purpose, with the E. That is, all right, so what is it to be established? That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. So the, the spiritual gift here is the doctrine. It's the mutual faith. I want to establish. I want to set it up. I want to get the forms in. I want to get the concrete laid in. 
now in 1625, now to him that is of power to establish you. And we looked at this last time. There's no E on the word, and that's important. And, 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 and again, it's critical because Paul is going deeper than just setting something up here. He says, now that it's set, now you are established, stabilized, to actually really withstand the adversarial attack in verse 17, 18. Okay? So when, we, when he's doing here now is here's, you got the proper information, you got the proper foundation, the proper perspective, and now we're going to build into the realm of our inner man some, some the next level doctrines, if you will. Okay? Now I know Corinthians, that's our next book, that's a book of reproof, bad behavior, Galatians, but bad behavior based on what? What we learned in Romans. Galatians, bad doctrine, they're mixing law and grace. But why? Because they've got to correct that bad doctrine because they're not in the doctrine of Romans. Ephesians, the next major book of doctrine, and then off we go. So we're going to get all of that so that we can do what? We can stand and we can withstand. And that's what we talked about last time. This issue of now of him, now to him that is of power. So to him, that's God, that is of power. It's God, the power of God here. And again, this isn't him being creator, you know, and he can do this or do that. But rather, the power of God here is that power to transform the believer into the very image of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you come back to chapter 12. Verse 1, where we start this fourth pillar and just remind ourselves, what does he say? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And when we went through there, we spent three or four weeks just looking at these two verses because the power of God is doing what? It's transforming the believer. It's renewing the mind of the believer so that the believer can go out and experience and enjoy that transformed life, if you will, that living sacrifice life. So back here in, in Romans 16, when he says, Now to him that is of power to establish you, the power of God is going to be made manifest. And the manifestation of the power of God is in, our, is in the realm of our inner man. And now what he's going to do, notice the next two words, two-worded, I guess, today, according to. How is the power of God manifested? Well, according to. By the way, if you look in verse 26, but now, uh, well, in verse 25, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to, see the according, according in harmony, okay? But then in verse 26, he says, and he doesn't say according to the scriptures of the prophets. He says what? By the scriptures. That's different, and that needs we need to pay attention to that. When we get down there, we'll see by the Scriptures, not according to the Scriptures, 
Because what happens is, is everybody says, see, Paul's just preaching another gospel, or this, not another gospel, the same gospel that everybody's been preaching, and it really wasn't a secret. It was always been made known, and he's just bringing up something over here. And they go, see, it's according to the scriptures of the prophets. But that's not what that verse says. The verse says, by the scriptures. So we'll get into that when we get down there. But notice, it's according to. When our lives are built in absolute agreement with the blueprint, according to, the code, the norms and the standards for edification. By, by, uh, by the way, look at verse 26 there. By the scriptures of the prophets, what's the next two words? According to. The commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. Do you see what the commandment of God is? You're going to build your life based upon who? Paul's doctrine. And if you're not building on Paul based on Paul's doctrine, if you're walking contrary, if you do what the modern church today does and reject Paul, then what are you rejecting? The commandment of God. See, this is serious. This isn't just some flowery verses at the end of the... He, he's already done tried two times to end the book. Now he's finally going to get there. It's not that... This is some serious stuff here. When you don't dispensational Bible study, you don't rightly divide the word of truth. But it's according to, to be in harmony with. And when our lives are lived with the established the proper foundation, the proper norms and standards in the edification, the result now is going to be able to have that ability, the capacity to withstand the attack of the adversary that he just warned us about back up in verse 17 and 18. And to be able to resist the methodology, the, the darts, the, the attack of those good words and fair speeches. By the way, those well, look at verse 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned. And I remind every time I read that, I'm reminded of you have what? Learned. This isn't, this isn't saying that you're going to, well, they don't use this or that. No, what have you learned? What have you built into your inner man? Because we have saw the weaker brother in, in chapter 14, He's weak in the faith, but he's not being what? Disruptive, see. He's praising the Lord. He's giving, he's giving, you know, he's wanting to learn. Not, he's not in there causing the divisions and offenses. By the way, what are we to do? We're to mark them and avoid them. You know what that means? Reach over on the TV and turn the dude off or the dudette, the lady off. Or change the radio station. If you look at verse 18, for they, those that cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, are such that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, their own appetite, their own agenda. How do they do it? And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. The simple there, Proverbs 14, they just believe every word that comes down the pipe. Why? They're ill-equipped. They're not equipped to say, wait a minute, that good word and fair speeches is going a contrary to Paul's my gospel, which is what we've learned in Romans. So what do we have here? He's, he's describing for us the mechanism 
in which we're going to be able to, to be stable, established, in such a manner that when we hear good words and fair speeches, it doesn't move us away. If anything, it does what? makes you hunker down even more. That thing in Corinthians where he talks about heresies, you know, are okay. Why? Because those that are good to go are manifested. They show up when it's time to fight the heresies. So what do you do? You hunker in. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about the swap meet yesterday. That's a good place to go in and get your, get your sword wet because you deal with all types that come by, mostly unsaved pagan ideas out there. But what can you do? You can go to battle with them, and you, you can see where your deficiencies are. Verse 25, what he's describing it here, we're to be in harmony with this edification design, according to. And that is we need to adhere to and, and guard against from being moved away from the, 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 the foundation. Again, Satan's goal, we, we looked at it when we went through. He does, no supernatural activity like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. None of that. What does he do? He uses men, false apostles. Ministers of righteousness. He uses, he uses men to come in and say, hey, but there's another Jesus and another gospel and another. And they, all this good words and fair speeches, you've got to work to get saved. By the way, Acts 15, that's what started the confrontation in Acts 15. They said, if you want to be saved, you've got to be circumcised according to Moses. You know what that is? That's working to get saved. I've got to work to get saved. Then they say, they change their tune a little later in Acts 15, and they say, well, you've got to be circumcised to prove you are saved and keeping the law. Well, now what are we doing? We're working to stay saved. And to prove, those are good words and fair speeches. Turn the page in 1 Corinthians 1. I often think about that. Satan's goal is to move us away. The edification process and the design, the establishment that adherence to something already formed. Remember, we looked at the Oxford English Dictionary, that down there, eight definitions. The first five are archaic to that word. But the very next one is that issue of something already formed, already in place, and you adhere to it. You stick on it. You drill your, your, your lag bolts down in it, and you don't move away from it. Roman, or 1 Corinthians 1, if you look at verse 17, Paul says, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with what? Wisdom of words. Why? What happens with the wisdom of words? By the way, the wisdom of words, that's an outward expression of an inward faith. That doesn't belong to you and I today. That belongs to the little flock and the believing remnant. See? But what do they do? They use it, why? Because it's flowerly. It's it, it, it catches, oh, wow, you know, every eye bowed, every head closed. I said it wrong on purpose, okay? All right. Why? Because no one looking around. Have you ever been in those meetings? What's everybody doing? Looking around, you know? And then, hey, if you go, I'll go. Well, then why am I going, you know? Well, it's to impress the little lady over there. Oh, okay, let's go, you know? See, what does that do? It's just, it's wisdom of words. What happens? Lest the cross of Christ should be made of what? None effect. That's the that's it just make this of none of effect. No effectiveness in your life. Come over to chapter three of First Corinthians. So the according to, we have to build into our inner man this foundation according to the blueprint. 
but it's going to be specific. It's going to be according to my gospel and according to the preaching of Jesus Christ, right, according to the revelation of the mystery. See, we do preach Christ. We just preach him how? According to the mystery information. That's the blueprint. And that's what Paul's getting to. Hey, guys, to the Romans, subsequently to you and I, you guys are fully equipped. You're able to stand against the adversarial attack. And by the way, that's what you're standing against. We don't wrestle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, Ephesians 6. But we wrestle where? Against the spiritual wickedness in the high place. We've we got a spiritual battle. That, But we have to understand that when that man or woman, I guess today, stands in the pulpit and is anti-Paul, anti-dispensation, they're not doing it on, with the intent to deceive, but they're, they've done what? They've bought into the system of the adversary that says, let's just pull people away. Follow that? That's what Paul's like. You guys are good to go. You can stand up. Think about God through Paul, so confident in his grace working and the doctrines working in your life, he just kicks them loose and says, you're good to go. I got more to give you. Don't go too far. <laughs> but you're solid. You're able to stand. 1 Corinthians 3, look here at verse 9. For we are labors together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building, according to, isn't that interesting? According to the grace of God which is given unto me, a wise master builder. I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Verse 10 is a, according to. Paul's the wise master builder. He's got the blueprint. How are you going to build? According to what the wise master builder says to do. This is how we're going to do this. We're going to come in. Here's the code. <laughs> Here's the building code. And by this building, the building next door, they've been around since the 50s. So if we do anything, we have to bring it up to code. Why? Well, because the brittle electrical doesn't work anymore like it should. See? So we got to do what? Bring it up. What are we doing? Here you are. You've been in religion all your life. You hear about right division. You hear about Paul. You hear about the gospel. You get saved. And what are we doing? We're bringing you up to code. Here's how it is. Aquila and Priscilla, when they met with Apollos, what did they do with him? They brought him up to code. They didn't do any. They just br here, they brought him forward. And that's, but who? The proper standard. The edification design. And that's what Paul's describing here. By the way, he says, I've laid the foundation. Notice, and another buildeth thereon. That's not you building on your own foundation. That's you allowing what? Somebody else in. That's you allowing me in. That's you allowing Mr. Smiley in. Joel Osteen. Man, never stop smiling, I tell you. You know behind closed doors he doesn't, but... See, that's you allowing in other people, other preachers in. He says, you better be careful. Then he says, by the way, there's a period, but let every man take heed how he buildeth their Now there's your activity. So what are you doing? You're doing what he, he accuses, he warns them in Galatians 1. You're building on it, be careful, but you're what you're allowing others to build in. What's the, what's the standard? 
Romans 1 to 16. Gospel message is justification by faith alone. By grace are you saved through faith. Your walk, a walk of faith, a walk of grace, the grace life. That's 6, 7, and 8. 9, 10, 11, you're not Israel. You're not spiritual Israel. You're not replacement Israel. You're the body of Christ. Here's what God's doing. By the way, God was right and just and justified in doing what he did with Israel by interrupting the program and so forth. And we get all that. And now here's how you take all of that and apply it. Your reasonable service. Here's what the the, the will of God is going to look like in your life when you interact with believers, when you interact with the world, whether it's the government, your neighbors, or whatever. Here's what you're supposed to Why? Because we're just, we're babes. We're just learning. We don't know. How, how, what should my attitude be toward the government? Well, Romans 13 tells you. What should my attitude be to that neighbor that just won't leave me alone? Well, Romans 12, Romans 14. Here we go. How do I do it? So I'm educated. I'm educated. But Paul says, according, it's got to be according to. So when we build into the realm of our inner man this doctrine, it's got to adhere to the code, to the blueprint, to the norms, and to the standards. So when you come back to Romans 16, verse 25, he says, according to my gospel. <laughs> how, are you, how are you established, stabilized? It's going to be according to the blueprint that God has given to the Apostle Paul. And if we adhere to that, we will be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We'll be able to handle the adversarial attack. But if we don't, what are we? We're the victim. We're, we, we're easily victimized to be moved away, to tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Last week we were talking about the three little pigs. The wind of doctrine. See? Just come on, blow you away. But then he says, first, first step to my gospel. And we're going to spend this morning and next week talking about my gospel. And then the following week, Lord willing, we get it all through, <laughs> we're going to talk about the preaching of Jesus Christ according to Revelation of the Mystery. And that will take us three weeks, four weeks. Okay, Why? Because there's, there's just stuff here that my gospel, no one prior to the Apostle Paul ever said, my gospel, mine. So the first issue here is ownership, my gospel, possession. The book of Romans tells us all about Paul's my gospel. Okay? That's why, by the way, in Ephesians, look, look over there just real quick. Look at Ephesians 1 and verse 13. Ephesians 1.13, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the what? The gospel of your salvation. Do you see anywhere where he breaks out that Christ died for your sins, was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures? You're a sinner and you need a savior. He doesn't do that, does he? Chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 4, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath he quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved. Verse 8, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Nothing in there about you being a sinner. 
and God commending his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ said, why? Because Romans has already handled that. Romans has already answered that. My gospel. So when we talk here about my gospel, you've you got to kind of think about this. Paul is the only one in, the, in Scripture to refer to the gospel, God's spell, God write, God's word, good news, glad tidings, however, you, I mean, Scripture defines it, okay? As being whose? His. John the Baptist never said it. The Lord Jesus Christ never said it. Peter never said he would say the gospel of the kingdom. They would never say my gospel. They would say gospel of God. They would say God, okay? So with the statement of my gospel, the first thing we got to catch is the personalization of it with Paul because it's going to be it's the mechanism where it's going to be distinguished from all of the other gospels in the scripture. This information, this good news belongs to Paul and Paul alone. So the issue is the issue of ownership. And again, no one else does this. They don't say, my God, this information. So think about this. Think about a flag, okay? For my birthday, I asked for a Betsy Ross flag. Do you know what a Betsy Ross flag is? It's the circle with the 13 colonies, okay? If you fly the Betsy Ross flag, it has political meaning. I just like it because it's cool looking, and I wanted it with my other flags. If you fly the flag of the Confederates, the stars and bars, people go, by the way, I have one of those too, okay? <laughs> I like flags. What are you doing with the flag? Look at me over here. Over here, look at me. I have a pirate flag, you know, from the pirate ship. Arr, you know, I hung that up. I hang that in my old 58. Pirate, Arr, you know. By the way, I, I haven't cleared this with my daughters yet, but I found their uh, guns from uh, uh, Color Guard, and I want to strip them down and repaint them and hang them in the back window of my 58 and see how much trouble I can get into, you know. Well, you got a gun in there. It's wood, you know. It's, <laughs> it's not a real thing. So, you know, but by the way, Growing up in Chicago, there was a day even in Chicago when we went to high school with a gun in the back window. <laughs> we just did. But anyway, what do you do with the flag? Over here, over here. I'm a Cubbies fan. You know what the Cubs? They have a white flag with a big W on it. They don't hang it very often, but when they do, what are you doing? We won. God is doing that with the Apostle Paul. Exactly, loser. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate that from the... From the, from the back row seats, okay? From the peanut gallery. What, Paul, what God's doing with Paul when he says, my gospel, is he's waving the flag. Look over here, over here, over here. Okay? He's the mechanism where God is causing the church to, a, calling the church to attention is what? Paul, when he says, my gospel. Look over with me at Second uh, Timothy chapter two. Just real, just one verse that you want to send them. He's using Paul, and I know what happens. People say, "Well, Paul's just full of himself. He's a self-consumed when he says my gospel. He's this, he's that." Because nowhere else do we see anybody ever claim 
to have the gospel be theirs, and he's just self-absorbed, and he's just got an ego, and blah, blah, blah. And that's not what's happening at all. Paul actually says, he goes, I magnify mine office in Romans 11. He doesn't say I magnify me, I magnify my office. Look at 2 Timothy 2, verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to what? Oh, you want to start a fight. Woo! Well, how was Jesus Christ raised? Well, the prophets, we'll talk when we talk next week about the gospel, the, the cross is all through the prophets, his death, burial, and resurrection. But what did Paul just say? He was raised according to what? Well, there's something going on in Paul's my gospel. So the my gospel is not about Paul, but rather it's about the set of information of this, this inform, good news given to Paul by God, and God is using Paul as a signal flag or however you need to, to say, hey, I'm over here now. Because what is the adversary doing? Good words and fair speeches. He's either dragging you back to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John or kicking you forward into the book of the Revelation. See? He's like, my gospel over here. Do, 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 you know? I think about the flag guys on the on the military boats. I look at those things and go, that that's doesn't mean anything to me. We were we were in San Diego a couple years ago. We were on the midway. They got it parked there and you can go. And there was a guy over in the corner. And he was in a hat, you know, World War II and so forth. And he's like, well, that means this. And that, he was talking to his family. And I'm like, I'm glad somebody knows what that means. It just looks like gibberish to me. But he understood it. What do we do? Hey, it's over here. And that's what he's doing when he says, so my gospel, my, he's the only one. And it's a statement of ownership used to catch the church's attention. And what it does when he says, my gospel, is it destroys the idea in Christendom that there are there's only one gospel in the Scripture. Because my gospel means what? This is mine. All those others belong somewhere else. See? And the reality is, in Scripture, you have more than one gospel. You have the gospel of the kingdom. You have the gospel of the circumcision. You have the gospel of the uncircumcision. You have the gospel of grace. You have the everlasting gospel. You have the gospel of peace. You have the gospel of God. You've got the gospel of the Lord Jesus. You've got all of these diff different sets of information. By the way, they're all legitimate. They're all true. They're God's word. They're just given to different people at different times, and that's where right division, dispensational Bible study helps you come in and lay out the differences and the distinctions. So when Paul says, my gospel, it shatters the theology systems out there of there's only one, and it's just moving all the way through. No, it's not. It's different. Do you, what was the gospel, the good news, preached to Abraham? You remember? Genesis 15, you're going to have a boy. And, he, and his faith, he believed God and his faith was counted for righteousness. Nothing about Christ dying on the, sin, on the cross, none of that. What we, what we know today to be Paul's gospel. But rather what? You're going to have a seed. You know, they kind of get a laugh out of it. You know, I'm an old man. She's old. Man. Well, yeah, okay. <laughs> okay? 
What about Noah? I, I love using Noah. <laughs> build a boat. Build the ark. Hebrews says he's a preacher of righteousness. Really? What did he preach? You go read in Jude about Enoch. And Enoch is preaching at the same time as Noah is, and they're preaching about the ungodly this, ungodly that, but they're preaching about what? Judgment's coming. You want to save yourself from that judgment? You want to get out of the judgment? You're going to have to do what? Get in the boat. And they mocked him, and they laughed at him, and they poked all that stuff. See, the good news, that's the gospel. What about Adam and Eve? Don't eat of that tree. That's it. And what did they do? They went over and disobeyed and ate. See, so, you, so when you come to Scripture, there is more. Come over to Ephesians 6. So when he says, my gospel, there's ownership. And that's really what you have to catch. I want you to get this morning, okay? Next week we'll talk about the content of it because that's critical. And Ephesians 6.19 helps with that. And we're going to pick this verse up more next time. But just I want you to notice this just carefully here. And for me, the, uh, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Notice that carefully. Ephesians 6, 19. The mystery of the gospel. He doesn't say the mystery as in you can't know it, it's unknowable. But how does Paul use the word mystery? As a secret. Something hidden. And he says, the only one, I'm the only, I'm the owner of this unique mystery truth. There's a mystery aspect to the good news that God has given to men in the dispensation of grace. Mystery. Again, not in difficult to understand or hidden away and nobody can get it and we're trying to unhook it. We don't have the, you know, the decipher code but rather we preach Jesus Christ according to the mystery, which was made, that, that secret set of information. Because is there a component of the cross that is secret? The answer is yes, there is. The event of Calvary, we'll look at this next time. The event of the cross is prophesied. What it meant was kept secret. For had the princes of this world known it, they would not have crucified, known it, known what? The hidden wisdom. You see, there's a wisdom, Romans 16, 27, to God only wise. There's a wisdom about Calvary. By the way, what gospel ever preached that the sins of his enemies, the Gentiles, were going to be forgiven? None of them do. But Paul, Paul says, you, Gentiles, you heathen, you enemies, you have forgiveness of sins. See, So when he talks here about mystery, he's talking about there's, a, there's some details to the gospel, to the good news, that was a mystery. And what did this mean? I'm jumping on next week, but just look at 2 Peter 1. I'm sorry, 1 Peter 1. We'll do this. We'll look at this a little more next time. Look at 1 Peter 1. Just so you catch this. 
And you can think about it during the week. Verse 9, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvations the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Now, that's not Paul. That's the grace of the new covenant, Jeremiah 31 and so forth. But watch verse 11. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the what? The sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. So when Isaiah 53 is written and Psalms 22 and Psalm 16 and Psalm 69 are written, all those passages about the sufferings of Christ, what did the prophets want to know? When is that going to happen and what does it mean? And you know what they were told? It ain't for you to know. Write it down. Okay? Now, Peter's talking to the little flock, the believing remnant. And what does Hebrews do for the little flock and the believing remnant? Explain the meaning of, hey, Calvary was the blood needed to be shed of the new covenant, the New Testament over here for you guys. But they don't get that until who, who's been on board? Paul, who then lays in the hidden meanings. So when you think about this, go back there to uh, Romans 16. When he says, my gospel, it's a good news. It's a glad tidings from God that was a secret, a, a message that contained some information that was secret. Okay? So, it's a, so when he says, my gospel... 1625. It's a reference to the unique personal possession that involved a specific singular message that was revealed for the very first time to and through the Apostle Paul. So historically, no one prior to Acts 9 had this information. Otherwise, he couldn't call it what? My gospel. So, actually, when you get into studying this, come over to Acts 20. You begin to notice that the stuff happening in Acts, the early Acts period, is just a continuation of what the apostles were taught by the Lord in the Lord's earthly ministry. They're just continuing it on. So historically, no one prior to Acts 9, and I'll be honest with you, that is the rub with Christianity out there. That's why they hate dispensationalism. That's why they hate right division. They tolerate Paul because he's got a few verses they like to use. But they don't give him that uniqueness of ministry, message, and apostleship. So you've got to be careful. Because was there a gospel prior to Paul? Yes, there was. Right division, dispensational Bible study, it helps to see that God has revealed more truth. And he gave Paul more truth. Progressive revelation, they call it. Look at Acts 20. In Acts 20, you, Paul is traveling. He's called the elders to Miletus there in verse 17. Look down at verse 24. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course, I love that, with joy, 
He's gone through all that torment, all that persecution. By the way, he's got more coming. And he goes, I do all that with joy. Joy, joy, joy. And the ministry, which I received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Isn't that interesting? He calls that, he calls the ministry given to him the what? The gospel of the grace of God. Think about good news. What good news is it that there is nothing that you can do to save yourself from your sins? He's done it all for you. You just simply have to do nothing but believing, trusting. That's great news, simplicity. But what wonderful news do we later come to understand that he then therefore also gave us liberty, freedom, to go live our lives for him and to live in the newness of life. So where you live and how you live life and decide things, you can do it with his life bursting out all over you. What wonderful freedom. That means you don't have to look like Rick. Praise the Lord. Okay, And I don't have to look like you. Thank you, Jesus. You know, it's just, it's not that at all. What is it? We have this grace life we can go live because we, he's not, we're all different people. So when he talks there about the gospel of the grace of God, what is the good news of the grace of God? He did it all, and then he gave you his life to go live. Boy, that's fantastic. Now look down at verse 32. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. I commend you. That's what he's doing in Romans 16. But who do I commend you to? To God. I'm, God is commending you to himself. Why? Because you're stable now. You're, you're established. You're built up. Come over to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. You have this, Paul says, my gospel, guys, it's mine, it belongs to me. I'm laying the blueprint down, and you're going to be building according to that blueprint. 1 Corinthians 9, look at verse 16. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. <laughs> you know what, Paul? The heart of the preacher. I, it's Jeremiah, I can't keep shut. I can't shut my mouth. I'm, you know? If I do this willingly, I'm good to go. But even when I don't do it willingly, guess what? I got to go. But notice dispens dispen a dispensation of the gospel, a dispensing of some new information here, and it's mine. It's my gospel. It's information given to me. Come over to Galatians 1. Given to me, to you, to build you up so that God can commend you to himself. Paul says, so I can commend you to God, to the grace of his grace, so that you'll be able to stand against anything that comes. Because whatever we're, we got, the foundation is poured, it's, it's been cured, 
It's been sealed. It's set. It's ready to go for you to now come in and build on that, the gold, silver, precious stones, the wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, and to put up that superstructure that's your life in Christ. It's ready to go. And now you're gonna now we can go. Now, Galatians 1. It's a sad thing when in when in almost every epistle of Paul, he has to defend his uniqueness, his apostleship, his ministry, his message. He has to defend that specific truth given to him. And yet, what have they done today? What has the church at large done today? They've rejected him. They've rejected the commandment of God, 1626. See. God has chosen to manifest the believer of to manifest his, his wisdom, the brilliance of his wisdom in a message given to the Apostle Paul for all of mankind. He's he's he he determined to do that. He said, here's, here's where I'm going to put my wisdom, my brilliance on display. And what's the church at large done? Nah, we like Peter. We'll go over here. It's like, hello? Nowadays, you don't even have to bring a Bible to church anymore because they'll put it on the overhead for you. So now you're at their mercy on which Bible you're going to be reading for the day. I told you, I, I read Rick Warren's book back, uh, The Purpose Driven Life, and I went to the back, and he had every version listed and used in the pages. And, and I'm like, pick one, dude. Come on. But when I read through it, he was using the verses and the certain, and, and that's just, that's, de that's deception. It's not where we're supposed to be. Now, when you come, you got Galatians 1, look at verse 6. I marvel that you are so soon. I Highlight, box, circle, underline the word soon. This what didn't take 25 years, 30 years. It was what? Soon. Soon after he's been through Galatia. And by the way, if Galatians is his first book written, okay, that's wonderful. Thessalonians is, you know, or 1 Thessalonians, that's wonderful either way. But what happened, that's soon after the beginning of his ministry, what's happened there at, the, at Galatia. They're being removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Isn't that interesting? It's another, but it's what? Not another. And everybody scratches their head. How do you, how's that? Well, it's a not another. It's something that's different, but of the same kind, the same variety. The, the, the simplest illustration I ever heard was apple and oranges. Apples and oranges are what? Fruits, but are apples and oranges, do they taste the same? But they're, they're different, but they're of the same kind. Now, take an orange and an onion. An onion's a vegetable, right? Are they good for you? Yeah. But they're what? They're different, different, aren't they? Another gospel, but is not another, is an apple and an orange. It's, we're similar in that there's good news here. But they're what? They're completely different. I don't know if you've ever heard the saying, 
Knowledge says a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom says don't put the tomatoes in the fruit salad. You work on that one, okay? All right? Okay? So it's what? Paul says, hey, there's people come in, and they're preaching an, another, go, another gospel. Is there other gospels? In? Yeah. Specifically here to the Galatians, because of that mixing of the law, they've drug them back underneath the gospel of the circumcision, by the way. They've reduced it down even further than the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom is a broad the gospel. Now we're specific. And you understand that because in the next chapter, what does he say? They're going to the circumcision and I'm going to the heathen. Why? Because and we have that issue of the gospel of the circumcision was committed to Peter and so forth. They, but he said it's not really another in that it's what? It's good news for the little flock in the nation of Israel in their time period. It's just not to you. Verse 8. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. So the preacher's on the line. By the way, accursed. Chapter 5, verse 12, defines accursed as being cut off. Not accursed to hell and the damnation, but to cut them off. Do what? Mark and avoid them. Identify them and put them where they belong. You know they're over there. Verse 9, as we say before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you, than that ye have, what? Received, let him be a good. So here's the preacher, the guy the bringing the good words and fair speeches. He's in trouble. And then there you are for doing what? Letting it in. You're on the line, see. Why? Because it's going to negatively affect you. Now, this doesn't change your salvation, your sealing, or any of that. It just impacts your what? Your walk, your life. Where am I going to live life now? Come over to 2 Corinthians 11. So they are the same thing, but they are different. That's why uh, I told you 2 Corinthians 11. Okay, 2 Corinthians 11, if you look at verse 3, but I fear lest by any means as a serpent beguiled Eve through his subtility, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Folks, if it's hard, and it sounds hard, and it sounds like it's a lot to do, it is not where you need to be. There's a simplicity to this. The offense of the cross, you know why the offense of why the cross is offensive? It's because it says you can't do anything. The Lord has done it all. Verse 4, for if he that cometh, so there's a he, there's a guy here following Paul, rolls into Corinth, he's going to roll, he's a guy in Galatians 1, and he goes in and instantly he brings in the prophetic program, the time past program, Israel's program, and he starts stirring everybody up. You know why? You know how he does it. We got Moses. Look at what we got. Paul had, what's Paul got? Paul's got nothing. He hadn't written anything yet. Look at all this scripture. We got Moses. And they get persuaded. Good words and fair speeches. By the way, verse 4 Come a preaching of what? Another Jesus, whom ye have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted. Ye might well bear with him. Notice that another Jesus. Is there another Jesus in the scriptures? Yes, there is. The earthly ministry. 
is, by the way, spirit. Is there another spirit in the, in the book? Yeah, there is. Acts chapter 2, what are they? They are filled with the spirit, and they're able to go out now and manifest that in what? Speaking in tongues and doing the gifts. That's not the spirit you and I have today. In functionality, let me clarify. We do have the Holy Spirit, but just how he works today. You don't have that gift of the jabber. You got to study it. You got to work it out. You got to figure. You got to do. See, if any man desires the office over there, he so another spirit. He, you know, you think about the Holy Spirit. How does the Holy Spirit work today? He works through His Word. By the way, that's how He's always worked. There's just been more visible manifestation in the past. So then you get the phone call that says, "Hey, the church you go to is it a spirit-filled church?" Well, yeah, just not how you. Th- are meaning it to be, you know. We don't run the aisles and jump the pews and leave with black eyes and bruises. We understand, you know, the holy the function of the Holy Spirit. Another spirit, another gospel. Well, yeah, there is. So what do we have to do? We have to be careful. The preaching of Jesus Christ here, the preaching of the gospel, is just not the way Paul has commun- the information given to Paul, given to you and I. Come over to 1 Timothy chapter 1. There's more than one gospel, folks. You've got to understand that. That's why Paul says, it's my gospel. And that's why the adversary comes in and he's scriptural, just not dispensational. He's using verses. Next hour, we're going to talk about prayer. The boys come to the Lord and say, Lord, teach us to pray. And he does. But he teaches them, the Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And everybody, oh, the Lord's Prayer. You know, that's not the Lord's Prayer. John 17 is the Lord's Prayer. That prayer he teaches them is the prayer they're going to be needing to pray in the 70th week of Daniel over there in the tribulation. Thy kingdom come. What are they waiting for? What are they wanting? (laughs) The kingdom to come. You go read John 17. None of that is in that. See, yeah, but well, teach us. Well, how does prayer work? We'll get into that in a second. First Timothy one. I got to stay. Verse Timothy one, verse eleven. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. Notice that verse. I don't think sometimes we read some of these verses. We just read through them. According to, so there's our, in harmony with the blueprint, the, bl- the gospel of the blessed God. Blessed, happy, happy God was committed to my trust. And then he did what? Then he entrusted to the body, to us. What brings God the greatest delight What makes him the blessed God, the happy God? Blessed, speak well of, happy. What brings him the greatest delight? To be able to demonstrate his wisdom through you, which then pokes a needle in the adversarial's, the adversary's eye. I I think about that song, if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on a tack. That's old school, really old school, okay? I don't even think YouTube has one of them yet. (laughs) But then he comes in and he says, you know what brings me the greatest delight is to be able to demonstrate my wisdom 
to your advantage because you're mine. But then Paul says he committed it to who? My trust. Personalized it. The personalization here. The body of information, which that wisdom of God that's going to bring him the greatest delight to be able to put it out there on display was committed to and belongs to Paul. Verse 16, Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. To who first? To Paul first. Prior to Acts 9, none of this. Acts 9, bam, to Paul. By the way, verse 16, that in me first, Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should, what? Hereafter believe. So, uh, through the dispensation of grace, how are we believing? The pattern given to Paul. Paul says, it was committed to my trust first. Come over to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Me first then I'm going to commit it to your trust. 2 Timothy 1, verse 8. Be thou therefore, I'm sorry, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partakers of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. So what's the testimony of our Lord? That information given to the Apostle Paul, the afflictions of our gospel. Nor of me, Paul. Don't run from me. Where's church today? They've ran from all of it. Verse 9. Who has saved us and called us with the holy calling, not according to our works, but according to. There's the blueprint. His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Wow, he brought it all the way back to the pre-day, the before. Verse 10 but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, whereunto I am appointed a preacher and apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. Paul says what? This is my gospel. Come over to Titus chapter 1. Kind of quit here. Titus 1, verse 3. Titus 1, verse 3. But hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. Due time manifested to who? To me, to Paul. Right when it was time, guess what? He gave it to me, and I've been giving it out. Come back to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy 2. Verse 3, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will, so here's the will of God, have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one man, one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. You know that's the first time that's ever been said? Who was the mediator between God and men before Paul? The nation of Israel was the mediator. Now who's the mediator? Christ. Who gave himself a ransom? For all to be testified in due time, whereunto I am ordained a preacher, an apostle, and so forth. So when you come back to 1625, the my gospel, it's gonna personalize, he personalizes it. And when God there verse 26, the commandment of the everlasting God, 
you want to have the obedience of faith, you need to be where Paul is. And you need to be established by adhering to that strict blueprint that was given to Paul when he personalized it by saying, my gospel. Now, time's up, plus a minute or two. Next week, we'll look at the issue of the content of my gospel, because that's even criticaler, more critical. <laughs> okay? All right? So just catch personalization. Why? Never Prior to Paul, never talked about. And we'll see that next time, okay? The details, the, the, uh, the, the content of it. All right? Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the, the look into it, the ability to study it, the ability to know it and to apply it to the details of our lives. In your name we pray. Amen.